Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome to another episode of Rock That Relationship. Tracy and I are here today to talk a little bit about self-love particularly as it applies to the healing process after a breakup. So thinking about what does self-love look like and what are some of the things that we've done that have helped us love ourselves during a difficult and challenging time. So I'm going to start by really asking Tracy, what does self-love mean to you when you think about going through a healing process? Well, it is about truly loving yourself, like actually accepting yourself for who you are, And what do you want to do with your life? Not judging yourself based on the opinions of others and forgiving yourself for things maybe that you didn't do right in the past that you've learned, you know, to do better. Yeah. And I love that you you bring up forgiveness because for me, like that's the, that for me has always been kind of the first step of self-love is really, I have to let go of my own non-acceptance of myself and my kind of anger or resentment towards myself and other people before I can actually heal and and love, right? If I'm holding on to anger, um, I can't really move forward. So when I think- You mean anger against other people or anger against yourself? Well, anger both, both, right? Like maybe, maybe I'm mad at another person and I feel slighted or judged or betrayed, right? It doesn't serve me to carry that around. And it's hard for me to love myself if I'm holding on to that anger. Or maybe I'm angry at my own behavior. Like I have shame or guilt in something that I did that I, I can't redo. I can't fix. I can't go back. Mm-hmm. What does it serve me to continue holding on to the negative emotions that come with that? It doesn't serve me. Um, it, it just weighs me down and it makes it really harder to find ways to move forward in a productive way. So, but you think- can look at it and process it and learn from it, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. First, and then let it, the feelings about it go or the punishing feelings that you right. might have about it. You know, when I, yeah, when I was a kid, my parents, you know, people always said like, what, you know, what happens if you get a bad grade on a test? Like, what's the punishment your parents give you? Do you are you grounded or what happens? And I said, my parents always told me there is no punishment greater than I would give myself. <laughs> And just the shame and the disappointment in my own performance was enough to be way more than being grounded. And, and while that's, you know, you can laugh and be like, oh, wow, you know, what a responsible kid at the same time, that's a heavy load to carry into adulthood. And the Mm. fact that I, you know, don't, you know, I don't let things go and give myself a little bit of grace to make mistakes and be human. And so part of that forgiving myself is saying, you know what, I didn't do great on that test that's okay. I'm going to learn about what I could do better and I'm going to show up better next time, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it because that is really, really difficult to carry. Well, it's fascinating. Do you think that you were that kind of kid that your parents said that because that's the kind of kid you were, or was that the kind of parents you were? Cause I did not grow up in that kind of situation <laughs> at all. And punishment was certainly needed out for things. Like I grew up in a very punitive environment, which, you know, I am a, somewhat disciplined person now and and you know I'm take I mean I take things seriously so it's it's not like I'm a slacker but I don't think anyone would have said such a thing to me when I was a kid 
you know. Yeah. So are you wondering, maybe it was wishful thinking that my parents sort of put that in my head, but, or, or I wonder, or were you already that way? And so that's how they responded Mm -hmm. to you. No, I was already that way. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I would feel so bad about something if I made a mistake and, you know, I dropped something on the floor and it's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's like, okay, well just clean it up. Like it's okay. Like let it came out of the womb that way. Right. I did. So, so when it comes to forgiving myself, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of think about the mistakes that I made and commit to doing better, but then letting go of those emotions. And, you know, I, you know, me, I, I talk a lot about law of attraction and this has really helped me in the self-forgiveness is being able to kind of regroup some of those emotions and some of that energy that feels like it is unproductively weighing me down, right? I mean, there's part of it where mm-hmm. you have to go through the process. Part of it is feeling shame and guilt and sadness and remorse for a little bit if you did make a mistake, but then getting mm-hmm. past that, right? But if you just hold on to it, it just does nothing but bury you in quicksand. And so for me, I've had to like shift my thinking and my vibration so that I can be more of a kind of a, a learner about the situation and commit to doing better, but not carry those emotions or else I would have like literally a trailer full of mistakes that I would drag behind me for the rest of my life that I could never deal with. Right. And that's that. I think a lot of people are weighed down by that. And I think, I mean, I've been talking to a friend who, you know, doesn't have joy in her life. And I, I've pointed that out. It's this guilt that you feel for everything and it's guilt for not even your own stuff, but for other people's stuff. And I think that's huge is that there's been a lot of um, cultural influences that are guilt heavy. And I think that that is just no way to raise children or raise adults in a way that you need to feel terrible. And I think, you know, I, I wasn't ever guilted, but I was definitely received, you know, punishment was the way that things were corrected, right? Um, or to try to mold you into a decent person. And having lived with kids and helped my um, ex-wife raised the kids I see that so differently I mean that was so helpful for me like people talk about you know doing your inner child work or going back and loving yourself I couldn't do that until I lived with children and I wasn't very good at it at first but then I really saw like the the punitive stuff and the guilt and all that does nothing does not help anybody no. really doesn't no well and the other thing too when you think about it like the programming that we get is you know, I somewhere along the way felt so maybe bad or, you know, ashamed of my performance, say for instance, in school, but you know, that might've been because I didn't study hard enough or whatever the case may be. But then I also somewhere along the lines picked up this idea about looking for a situation that didn't go well and finding a reason to take some type of responsibility for the fact that it didn't go well, even if it wasn't my fault. And so like looking at, um, you know, maybe a relationship that, that, you know, there was an incident that happened that was clearly just not my fault. And then, you know, spending all this time trying to find a reason why I might have contributed to that situation. And while we, it takes two to tango and I get it. Sometimes I felt like maybe I took on too much to try to explain what was happening that I created this, this environment where like, if I would have just done this, if I would have just done that. And you see that happen with people who are in, really, you know, bad relationships where one partner was like, well, if I would have just done X, Y, Z, my partner wouldn't have cheated. And, you know, and I get that there's a dynamic that's there that you have to acknowledge two people do show up in a relationship. But at the end of the day, one person did make the choice to cheat, but the other person is, you know, feeling guilty that they led that person to cheat. And so I think for me, part of the forgiving myself was also letting myself off the hook that sometimes I just wasn't responsible for how something turned out. 
and needing to not try to own everything along the way. Well, that's like, that's important. I think that people need to learn. So even if you're learning that you did make a mistake and you want to apologize for it or whatever, you can't control how that person's going to receive that or what they're going to do with that information either. And you're Mm -hmm. not in control of anyone else's behavior. That's a hard thing to learn. And I think, you know, being over 50, it's finally sinking into my head that I really can't, there's not much I can do. I can't influence other people's thinking. They can see me, they can see how I'm acting and they can decide for themselves. But there's just no trying to bring people to, I mean, of course, dialogue. I'm not saying shut down and don't talk, but you can't be responsible for the outcome. You have to put out what, you know, you want to put out you, your apology, your understanding, whatever, but you're not responsible for the way they receive it or what they're going to do with it. Right, right. So when you think about forgiving yourself, you're thinking about a couple things. One is, are you taking responsibility for something and feeling guilt and shame over something that you're actually not responsible for and trying to kind of make amends to that? Two, you know, two is, are you holding on to emotions that really aren't serving you for maybe something you did contribute to? Maybe you were part of why something didn't turn out the way that it, it you wanted it to. And then you, you really do need to figure out your own forgiveness. And then three is thinking about how that other person, if you did do something, um, that maybe was negative and you did impact somebody else, you can't guarantee that they're going to forgive you. So right. that's the other thing. I mean, so you've got all these different parts and facets of what does it mean to forgive yourself all kind of along this continuum. Um, but what about forgiving others? Because as you talk about it, we talk, we think about, we can, you know, be in charge of kind of our own selves. We can't, ex- you know, expect other people to receive us in ways that we want just because we want it. So what have you done to forgive others? Um, especially like in those situations where you feel like maybe you were done wrong. Like, what do you do in- instead of carrying that trailer of emotions with you to the next relationship? Well, I probably did carry a couple trailers sometimes, you know, back in the 90s. I, I wasn't very processed that I probably dragged some of that stuff along with me where I couldn't be very forgiving. I mean, I've always probably been more forgiving than the average person, I guess, like you brought up cheating. And so a partner of eight years, you know, had a relationship. It it was kind of a Ross and Rachel situation. And I said something stupid before I left, you know, to go out of the country about, you know, you think I'm so boring, find somebody else. And I didn't mean it and I should never have said it, but then that happened. And so um that was like a one-time thing, but that kind of like got messy and then years to a year or two years later, they got together and then I was still friends with my ex. And so at one point, you know, I had to ask for an apology and, and in order for us to move forward, so for all of us to be friends, because they're married now and I don't want to lose my friendship, you know, with my ex. And at some point I have to just accept that new person and be okay with that. And the only way that I could was I literally asked her for an apology and she gave wow. it to me when wow. we were drinking. So that probably helped, <laughs> but, <it was> like, <laughs> but you got happy, it. Drunk. <clears throat> it did. And it yeah. really made a difference. And I actually slept at their house that night. Like I was, you know what I mean? Like I went in their house and I was like, Oh my God, here's my old furniture at their house. And I was okay. You know, like mm-hmm. I, it was okay because we can't, people make mistakes. People act in a way that's, clumsy they act out of anger they act out of hurt you know um but for me i i guess probably to truly forgive 
I would have to process it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think mean, that the apology thing is, is key. Like it's almost like it unlocks that forgiveness for you. For me, an apology doesn't mean very much. Um, mm-hmm. and it shocks me to hear that from you. Yeah. I mean, some smaller things it does, but for big betrayals or big things that I feel like someone really, really like messed up, like, if you try to apologize to me, which actually, ironically, no one really that I've had issues with has ever tried to apologize. But, you know, and if they're listening to this podcast for that slew of people who have done me wrong, um, you know, I'm not sure that I would accept an apology. That doesn't mean that I can't forgive the situation just because I don't accept an apology. Um, <clears throat> for me, what I've done instead is just, you know, processed my own my own um, presence in the situation and what I could do differently in the future. And then not to put too much weight or emotion on it, like realize it, it wasn't me and let it go. Because if I don't put as much weight on what that betrayal might've meant or what that slight might've meant. Um, and I just move away from it and say, in the grand scheme of things, it's not important. Um, you know, even though it felt important at the time and it probably even was important. If I, you know, kind of, you know, make it absent of, of its importance, it becomes a little bit absent of emotion in terms of how much I really even care. Like I'm at a point now where it's not even that I would like just virulently not accept an apology from someone who did me wrong 20 years ago. It's mostly that I just don't care. Like I don't care mm. enough about them or the situation to even care. I'm to get so surprised apology. to hear that. And like, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually kind of shocked, which is weird because we talk so much. You think I would <laughs> know all of this, but that surprises me. And like, I'm a huge, huge fan of restorative justice, you know, with, I mean, I've, I've had professors that worked in Rwanda with, you know, people who committed genocide against other people's family members and they've sat down together. And I was just watching, you know, a show where the guy uh, shook the hand of the man that tried to assassinate him and he lost, you know, he lost an arm and that was in South Africa. And at some point I feel like, that can heal the world. I feel that accepting the apology, if it's a sincere one, not a fake one, oh, or sure. not yeah, yeah. a perfunctory one, you know, I feel like that is how we will heal all of the ills of the world. And it, it's not yeah. easy. I mean, I lived in Cambodia and did genocide work there and it is not easy. I mean, I have had friends whose family members were killed in front of them, but they found a way because they had to. Because, you know, what is that saying about the shovel? If you're going for revenge, bring two shovels or dig two graves. Cause you've you're messed this up. up. You, you've thing. talked about this on another <laughs> podcast and you continue to get the shovel thing wrong. And then we've talked about the you drink poison and expect someone else to die. We've messed that one up too. The, yes. I get what you're saying is, you know, right. you, the only, the only thing is, is holding on to this anger and hatred is going to do nothing but poison you rather than punish you. But you're saying like, you're just over it. Whereas I can it. never be over stuff. Like I need to, like, in order for me to heal, I do need to process. Like, I couldn't just be like, okay, I'm over it. I'm, I don't care about that person anymore. No, mm-mm. it'll well, see, never be over for me until I've really processed it. And maybe that's, if that person never wants to process, then that's just out there. I just have to live with that. Then I'm still living with that hurt. See, you know? for me, the other people, I haven't really approached them and they haven't approached me to process. So I had to learn how to to cope myself. I had to learn how to get over it without the involvement of those other people. So for me, that's mm-hmm. how I've, I've gone on to forgive. 
But okay, let's transition a little bit to, because I think this forgiveness piece is really important. And for me, I think it's kind of the foundation, like however you approach forgiveness, it's really the foundation to moving forward with your self-love and it's a sign of respect for yourself. But what about, um, we've we've talked a little bit about this affirmations. You have that app, um, Mm -hmm. called I am, and it sends you, you know, an affirmation every day on your phone about like, your sends me multiple, probably like 20 a day. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, the, you know. I know you pay for that, right? You a dollar ninety nine a month, yeah. You know that you could like screenshot all of them for like thirty days and then cancel your subscription and then just keep those screenshots. You know, I know, but it's money. like I've I've thought about that, but I'm like it's two bucks and it's like makes me so happy and I feel well, like I don't it's want to actually den- reading my mind or sending me when I need it and it's like it is it that's the thing what we talked about like before is like you got to figure out what works for you. And for some reason that stuff like taps, right. It's like so uplifting. I do. I screenshot them right when it happens. If I feel like they're super on point and I'm like, wow. And and I send them to friends and I'm like, you know what? Like (laughs) I need it. And, and I do, I look at people's stuff on Facebook. That's, you know, they're putting out positive stuff every day. And it's like, it's the same stuff and it's Buddhist stuff. I mean, you know, I, I'm not a very good Buddhist, but I am a Buddhist, but like it's a practice. And and so it's reinforcing every day and reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. And if I mm-hmm. just screenshotted and looked at it myself, then it wouldn't be authentic, like coming at the time that I need it. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's more that I become more sent it to you. Yeah. yeah. It's the process that yeah. was sent to you when you needed it. I mean, and I, I think what you're saying is a really a good recognition of your own idea of what self-love is for you. That makes you feel good. That makes you feel happy. That makes you feel loved. And that's an important thing to do for, for me, the affirmations don't work. Like hmm. I get up in the morning and say, I'm beautiful and I'm smart and I'm funny. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much I need to do. I do not need to waste my time reading this post-it note <laughs> on my mirror about how great I am. And I'm just going to go but- in. <laughs> Dude, do what I need to do on my to-do list. But that is very helpful for a lot of people, Corey. Don't just count. I know, but that's why we talk about what works for us and what doesn't, because I think it's also important to let yourself off the hook because I've been told for so long that affirmations are so good for us. And same with like, mm-hmm. like meditation or thing. Mm-hmm. And they just some things just don't work for me. And I think as our listeners are out there, some of you some of them may say, Hey, affirmations are awesome. And it's okay if you say I don't like, I don't even understand what affirmations are about or like meditation. I meditate for about 30 seconds before I start thinking about what I have to do for the day. And I have, I know I can't clear my mind and guess what, you know, maybe it would work for me if I tried harder, but it doesn't. And so for us to understand self-love is also to recognize what doesn't work for us Mm -hmm. and not feel compelled because it works for other people. So I appreciate that the affirmations work for you. For me, I, if I was to think of affirmations, I think of it more as giving. Um, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and I will, you know, often find people's posts that are, you know, I particularly ones that are really heartfelt or something where people share about them themselves or an achievement or an obstacle. And I will purposely like it. I don't like every single thing I see on LinkedIn because I don't want to be mm-hmm. one of those kind of clickbait people, but mm-hmm. you know, I want to show up and say, Hey, I, you know, even if it's just liking it so that person sees that, like, I support you, that to me is a way of self-love because I just, I can show my connections that I love them. And that's a way of like reflecting it back to, you know, I love me. 
Um, okay. Well, you know, I post a lot on Facebook, so you could use that. You could do that for me too. <laughs> I always have to screenshot it and send it to you. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so yes. let's, let's go from, from, uh, LinkedIn to Facebook. Thank you oh, to your I can closest friend here. Thank you. Click on you. You did an awesome <laughs> hike time or whatever. And mm-hmm. so, okay. Well, speaking no, but I write of, some really profound stuff on Facebook. I know. So everybody knows. So speaking of some of the hiking and stuff, though, let's talk about health and fitness. You and I have both found this as a very, very important form of self-love. We've talked a little bit about it before. Um, what is it um, that, you know, for you that health and fitness is about when it comes to self-love? Why is that a form of self-love for you? Um, I think that being healthy is, I mean, I feel great, right? I'm 52 years old and I feel the best I've ever felt. And I've been feeling pretty good my whole life. So, I mean, I have several, you know, congenital medical conditions that I just manage with diet and exercise. And I haven't had to have, you know, surgeries on those things. And like people, you know, if you know me, people think I'm really weird because I don't eat a lot. I eat, I'm very strict about what I eat. I mean, because I know that I feel good. So, you know, our friends razz me for when we go out and whatever, and I don't eat or I don't, you know, do a lot of that stuff. But that's because I know that I feel great. And, you know, like I had a little bit of wine on New Year's Eve, probably a glass and a half. And I just felt like crud the next day. And I was like, okay, well, it's New Year's Eve, whatever. But I had to do several hikes to like get that out of my system. And I was like, I'm going to really keep this limited. And it's, because I know how I feel baseline and I feel great. And I feel like if everybody in the world could get to that point where they feel fantastic, it would make a difference, you know? And here's Mm -hmm. something like I I have a heart condition. And so I had an echocardiogram once and I laid there, I think for an hour, hour and a half and watched my heart beat. And I thought, you know what? That heart is doing so much work for me. I will never abuse it. I would never treat it poorly. And I thought if the entire world, if everybody got to have an echocardiogram, it would make them appreciate themselves and their body more. Like we Mm -hmm. can't put ourselves, put ourselves out of like not thinking about what this machine that we're living in is doing for us. And I love life, right? I mean, I've had some down times in my life, no doubt. But when I'm happy, like I am happy and like, that's the state that we should all be in in this world. And then there'd be such a better world. So I feel like when you're in optimal physical health, and that for me includes diet and exercise, it's great. And and the hiking for me is also somewhat spiritual. You know, we live in the desert and Mm -hmm. we go out, I go out early. And, you know, sometimes I'm the only person out there and it's just, it's unbelievably um, special. Like, you know, it's me, the cactus, the earth, Mm -hmm. the animals, you know, and I know that Mm -hmm. you have that similar experience and it it doesn't have to be the desert. I mean, I lived in Wyoming and just being out there with like giant, you know, with, with the elk and with the bears and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we're not the only, we're not the center of the universe here. And, and that actually makes me feel better as a human being. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally. I mean, you and I really share a philosophy on this that's similar. You know, this idea of both physical health and kind of our mental, emotional, and spiritual health um, when it comes to health and fitness. It, you know, for me, um, I have two herniated discs in my lower back. And 
I have flare-ups and I've, I've had some pretty bad flare-ups where I've been like almost like pretty much bedridden for months on end. I've had a hard time walking. Um, and I, you know, tried physical therapy and I tried, you know, stretching and all of that stuff. And that's, you know, that's been helpful and everything, but the bottom mm-hmm. line is if I was going back from those appointments and I was actually having an unhealthy lifestyle, all I was doing is just continuing to make the problem bad. So mm-hmm. it was actually during COVID I signed up for something called the 52 hike challenge. And the goal was to do 52 hikes or walks of 30 minutes or, or more, um, over the course of the year. So like one a week. And, um, I started going and doing it. Um, and my daughter would go and my, my ex would go and we would do these walks. And by April, we had already done all of them. And so this was April of 2020 we had met mm-hmm. the 52 hikes. And, and so it was like, the next day I was like, Hey, we're going to go on our walk. And they're like, yeah, we're good. We're done. We got the medal. And I was like, Oh no, this to me is now a habit. And right. so I wanted to go every day. So I had set the goal of, you know, I think it was 800 miles for two, for, for the year 2000. And I ended up walking um, over a thousand. The next mm-hmm. year I set the goal for uh, 1200. So in 2021, I set the goal for 1200 and I made 18, I did 1823 miles and in 2022, I set the goal for 2022 and I did 2,192 miles of walking, which was an average of six miles a day. And nice. for me, it was unbelievable because not only did I, I get incredibly fit, like I was not fit. I needed a mm-hmm. lot of like work on my mm-hmm. physical self. Um, I haven't had a back flare up since mm-hmm. 2020. Wow. And it is, I know that it is a hundred percent related to the fact that I am exercising and I'm going out, mm-hmm. but it for me, it's also become not just this physical, you know, form of, you know, fitness and health. It's also become a spiritual place. I, I walked oftentimes I call you Tracy, when I'm on my mm-hmm. walks and we just chat for the day. Sometimes I, you know, before my mom passed, I would call and talk to her and I, you know, talk to different friends. I listen to music. I listen to podcasts. I listen to books, things that I would never do if I was just sitting at home because I would always be like right. taking out the trash and working mm-hmm. on a project. But now I have time to do some of those things that also bring me great joy. And I get to do it in a space of kind of spiritual comfort where I'm, I saw a pack of deer yesterday. The other day I saw a pack mm-hmm. of coyotes and I walked alongside Havelina the other day. If you don't know what Havelina are, they're like sort of like big hairy pigs. Um, but the super cool, I love it. I love being out there. And so for me, it's fulfilling. And and I think one of the most interesting things was after my mother passed, you know, there was so much to do. I was actually up in, in, in Phoenix where my, my mom mm-hmm. was just a couple hours from me. And I um, would get up every day and I would go on a walk when she was in the hospital um, after she passed. And yeah, when I, she was in the hospital, I came up there and we even did that. You would do the hideous walk, like, Oh, I guess I did. No matter what you said, what is it that you need most? And I said, I need for you to drive up here and go on a walk with me because I can't come down there. I've got to be at the hospital. And you drove up and we went on this. It was, you know, not the The best place to go forever, but Uh you walked with me because you knew that that is what I wanted and I needed. And my brother and I had a conversation and he's like, I don't understand. There's so much to do. You know, it's so hard. It's so sad, but you always have time to, you always have time to go out on your walk. I don't get it. And I said, I, if I don't go out on my walk, I don't know how else I'm going to cope and I'm going to grieve. So mm-hmm. that is the biggest form of self-love is making sure that I do my walk every day and everybody knows it's not negotiable. I have mm-hmm. to walk every day. Um, so that's so great. Do you consider that like a, like 
a boundary. Like, what if somebody was like, stop walking, don't walk. Well, yeah. I mean, if I had, (laughs) if I had any kind of situation where a person or a job situation or something, you know, was like constantly getting in the way of that, I would have to Mm -hmm. do some realignment. I mean, the first day of the new year this year, it was pouring rain. And you know what I did? I walked. walked. You know what I did the next day when it was raining and cold? I walked because that is part of my self-love. I love myself enough to not let anything get in the way of something that makes me happy and fulfilled. That's and it so could, great. It could be something different for other people, right? It could be finding time to to knit or write. It or, could be pickleball. But the, yeah. the truth is, I mean, it's everyone needs to do something physical unless you're in a condition that it makes it impossible, right? You're, right. you know, something terrible um, has happened to you and you can't. But the human body needs physical. It just does. It doesn't, we don't have to be like professional athletes, but if we're not moving, Honestly, everyone should go get an echocardiogram or they should look at themselves from the inside out because it makes a huge Mm -hmm. difference. And I'm telling you, I can attest to this as a person who is in great health. I feel fantastic every day. And, and, you know, the days that you don't do stuff, you feel terrible. And it's not about like, oh, half. It's, it's that you have enough love for yourself that you want yourself to wake up every day feeling fantastic. And exactly. spending the day feeling fantastic, you know? Well, and you and I, and, have, and that we've, we've, we've made time for it. And I know people are like, well, I don't have time. I've got, you know, this, I've got to take my kids here. I've got my job. You and I have, you know, hiked at four in the morning. We've, you right. know, you're at the right. gym at three 30. I'm not, you know, telling people to get up at whatever time I go out at night. Sometimes I can't get out to walk. Until we make it happen. And I make right. it happen. Even if I can right. just get in something short or I make it a family time. Like I grab my daughter and say, instead of just sitting around on the couch and catching up for the day, let's walk it out and talk, right. um, making that time. So speaking of, you know, making the time for things that we, that make us happy, you know, I know for you, one of the things that you've talked about is going and doing the things that you've always wanted to do, but you never did for mm-hmm. you know, whatever those reasons were. And you tell us a little bit about one of your, your latest endeavors of something that you wanted to get involved in and just never had. Well, last night I started an improv class. So 32 years ago, I signed up for acting 101 and I went to the building where the acting class was <laughs> and I got, put my hand on the door and then I ran away. <laughs> Believe it or oh not, gosh. I used to be very shy and I was a scaredy cat and like, I was so shy. People are shocked now to find that out, but, um, I just couldn't do it. I could not bring myself to do it. And it was like my greatest dream was to, like get into acting that and be a researcher of whales. Um, but a researcher like, of whales. I, Really? Yeah, I wanted to be a whale researcher. You didn't know that? Marine I biology. Have... I went to school at Texas A&M University at Galveston for marine biology. Did I not ever tell you that? Well, I think I knew that. I just didn't know you had a passion for whales. Oh, whales and dolphins. I used to wear a whale and dolphin shirt to school in high school. Like In high I school? Whale... Yes, I had oh, whale and dolphin shirts. Oh my, I had okay, whale I gotta and see dolphin a picture. earrings and oh necklace. Oh, yeah. I gotta see this. Um, okay, but so... that was the thing. Like, So I signed up finally. 32 years later for improv class. And so I went last night and it was just fantastic. It was so much fun. And I realized like how much I totally want to be on the stage. And what I liked most about it wasn't just, oh, I'm up there and everyone's staring at me because I was shaking, you know, I was like so nervous, but um, it was the collaboration part. I really hit it Mm -hmm. off with this one Mm -hmm. woman who 
we kind of like fed off of each other and we ended up doing this Angela Lansbury versus Julie Anders thing when I had meant to talk about something completely different, but the energy on the stage was, was so good. And for me, being a lawyer isn't, I did go to law school. I chose to go to law school, but it was not my dream to be a practicing attorney. And one of those reasons is it's very isolating and it's not as collaborative. I can be an advocate. I can use that degree to be an advocate, but to be a practicing attorney and litigator, you are on your own and it's not fun. And I don't want to live like that, you know? And so last night it was like, just, it was, I was just smiling from ear to ear when I left, like, and I, I made connections with other people, people who are interested in the same stuff, you know? And I really like, I'm sad that I waited so long to do it, but maybe this was the time to do it, you know? Right. Right. Well, and that's loving yourself enough to say, I'm going to explore this. I'm going to take a chance on this and, and do it. And I know for you, one of the things that's also happened recently is, is, and I think is really a a form of self-love is prior, you know, prioritizing or reprioritizing your professional career goals. What, you know, like, well, I, I just left my job, um, as mm-hmm. a, as a litigator. Um, and I didn't that, you know, I first left being a public defender and then I went to personal injury law and there's things that I love about both of those. And, and the things that I love are the connection with the people, the people who are suffering, um, you know, the clients who are suffering either way, either because they've gotten themselves into trouble, most likely because their past is so sad. And then, or they were in a terrible incident, like an accident or something. And I love that. I love talking to those people and being there for them, but I did not, I could not handle the legal stuff. You better file this motion. You better not make a mistake. You better not miss a, miss, you know, an objection. You better make sure you don't miss a statute. And for me, the stress and the pressure of that was too much. I don't have Mm -hmm. that kind of brain Mm -hmm. and I cannot do that work. And, you know, in October um, of 20, what year was it? 2022. My boss asked me how things were going and I'd only been there for two months and I told her the truth. You know, I ended up staying for a couple more months, but, um, it just came out of my mouth. I don't love this job. I don't think I'm going to be good at it. And I don't want this lifestyle. I don't care how much Mm -hmm. money you're going to pay me. I don't want it. And so, you know, I stuck around to help them out for a couple months and that was cool, but I feel so happy. I'm a couple days off of the job and I feel ecstatic just earlier today. I was thinking, I am so happy. Yes, I have to start looking for another job soon, but I'm going to find something. I've I've bought myself a couple months, you know, to find something I really love that will bring me absolute joy, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, when we tie all this stuff back to healing, right? This idea of, you know, how do these things help us with healing from a breakup? And the first thing that stands out for me is, well, we should be doing self-love all the time. It isn't just something we mm-hmm. do after a breakup. So this episode is right. critical for anyone, just in any point in time, whether you're going through a breakup or not. Um, but I think particularly when it comes to the timing of it after a breakup is, you know, really reassessing kind of what we want our future to look like, since it's not going to look like what we had initially imagined. Mm-hmm. So does that mean getting up and performing on stage? Does it mean having a different job or career path? And sometimes it gives the, the breakup gives us a license to reflect a little bit more deeply and a little bit more timely on how we want to change our future. Because you know, there have been times when I've looked at my life, particularly in my, my twenties and thirties, where it was like groundhog day and it wasn't bad. It was just like, um, I can't tell you the difference between one year and the next and the next and the next, mm-hmm. they all kind of looked the same. And while it was fine and I was content, 
I, I wasn't fulfilled. And mm-hmm. sometimes we get into these patterns and we just stay and we do things because they just feel like that's what we're supposed to be doing. And breakups sometimes just jar us out of those kind of habits. Well, and, and it gets you in a different relationship, right? So your last relationship, that person wanted you to move from Tucson and you've spent a long time away from Tucson, right? And mm-hmm. since I've known you, for some reason, you love this weird little place. I love this weird little place. And that's become a very big boundary for me. I mean, while that was a, you know, a consideration in my past relationship, it's also now a really important boundary for me in everything that exists in my life today. Like I love Tucson. I have a home here. My family's just North a couple hours. I have community here. I've been in Tucson for 20 years. I don't, really want to leave. I'll travel, I'll do other things. And so, you know, I find ways to do all of my professional work from afar. I try from here, right. From Tucson. I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, engage in everything that I need to do in life without getting up and leaving Tucson. I mean, at least on a more permanent level. Right. And that has been a very strong boundary for me. And I know how important that was when I was in the process of dating. And it was like, I was looking at people who were long distance and I was like, well, they would have to move to Tucson because I'm not mm-hmm. moving. Like I just, mm-hmm. and people are saying, but you can, you know, you work, you teach online and you have a lot of flexibility, you can move. And I would say, but I don't want to move. And that was the greatest form of self-love I could give myself is saying, I don't want to do that. Like mm-hmm. there's professional things that I just keep saying no to. I didn't used to say no to as much. I'm like, no, I'm just not, mm-hmm. I, I'm not interested. You know, people will say, can you, you know, do something on this day? And instead of saying like, oh, I'm busy, I would say, no, I'm just, I'm just not interested. This isn't, this doesn't align with my professional goals right now. And they're like, oh. It's not, but you're free to, you're free on that day. Right. I'm, like, I'm free on that day. I just don't want to do this. And just like, I don't want to leave Tucson. So setting those boundaries for me, that a lot of that agency came from the breakup um, because I was like, no, I'm not going to spend my time doing things that don't bring me joy. I mean, I will help people and, you know, sometimes you right. don't like doing right. it because you have to, but I was starting to just realign all my yeses into like, hmm, let me think about what this really means um, for my priorities. Well, and a couple months ago, you were busy, busy, busy. And we talked about that. Like you were being gone from here too much. Like you like to travel. I like to travel. We both love to travel. Um, but we want a home base. And you were like gone so much. It seemed like you weren't even living here anymore. And you remember mm-hmm. how much that stressed you out. Like mm-hmm. it just made you sad. It made you unhappy. And we talked about that. And I was like, it's very short time. It's going to be another like two or three months. And then you have to design your life so that you're not doing this because mm-hmm. you were miserable. You were pretty miserable there, you know? I was. And and it was, that was a really important test for the boundaries that I set um, was, you know, I had taken on a few things. I, you know, certainly some more speaking engagements and some traveling that I needed to do. And I was, you know, helping with my mom up in Phoenix and living up there for a while. And, and it was just like some of those things I had to do, some of those things I elected to do, right. but it really caught me in a place where it was like, hold on a second. I know that some of the stuff I'm, I don't, you know, I, I need to, to be there particularly mm-hmm. for my mom, but did I, do I need to add all this other travel onto it? No, I don't. And so for me, it kind of shook me and said, all right, there are going to be things I have to do. And there are going to be things I want to do. And then there's things I don't want to do. And I need to be okay. Letting those go. I just have to be okay. Because well, I know what it feels like when I say yes to something I probably should have said no to. Well, and I think that goes for you as far as your lifestyle of who you want to be with and dating, you know, to date again after a breakup. Mm-hmm. It's like 
you want somebody who wants to be around. You want somebody who loves Tucson. You want somebody who's, you know, it's like, yeah, some things might be great somewhere else, but you have to have the lifestyle you want. And, you know, lucky for you, you found somebody who fit all of those things. I don't know how that happened. It's literally mm-hmm. as love if you conjured that person out of yeah. an air. <laughs> um, but I mean, we'll talk about that in another episode. That was crazy uh, how that happened. But like, you got what you wanted, but, but you were clear about what you wanted before that appeared because you didn't want to be taken away anymore. You didn't want to be, um, you know, feeling constantly like you were running around, like you needed mm-hmm. more to be more settled, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I knew that that's what I needed and I didn't do it for, like I said, reasons beyond my control and reasons within my control, but it just was a check to say, wait a minute, hold on. I have got to make sure that I'm prioritizing what it is that I know makes me happy, feel at peace. And, and so I'm recalibrating again. And I want to have a whole season on, you know, healing from, from death or grief and all that stuff, because it is similar. Breakups are different from death. They are very similar and there's no comparing because everybody feels the sorrow they feel. I mean, I certainly mm-hmm. went through it this year with, or last year now with, you know, the sadness over a breakup. And mm-hmm. that was devastating for me for many reasons. But um, I think with healing, you still have to put yourself first because you were put in a position where you may have had to keep property somewhere else or something or to have your life where it was very Tucson centered suddenly to not be. And then you had to make those choices to keep it Tucson centered. And I've watched you through this process and you're much happier, you know, like rather than doing something that you think somebody else wanted you to do, you chose to do what would for you and what would make you happy. And you're way happier. You're just so much more settled and happy, even though, even though you've had terrible grief, right? Right. Right. Yeah. You've had both the breakup and then you had your mom pass. Like in a year, you had those two things. And I've been through it, seen you through it all, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're, the way that you regrouped or, or said, I'm putting all my things here. This is what's going to make me happy. You are a world traveler. It's not like you're like, I can't leave Tucson, you know, but you are centered here and it has made you so much more settled and happy. And, you know, six months ago, I've told the story several times to several people recently. I wanted to burn my house down. Literally, I live in a mm-hmm. townhouse. So that would have been cruel. But I wanted to like light it on fire. I wanted to blow it up. I yeah. wanted to leave. I wanted to sell it. I wanted to get out of here. I didn't want to be here. I wanted a way. And you were like, just give me just six months. Promise me mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. won't do anything for six months. Just, just stay here for six months. And do you remember? I was so railing against everything and I was yes. so ready to go. And like, literally, I, I, who knows where I'd be right now? I mean, maybe I'd be in a fabulous apartment in San Diego. I don't know. Maybe I'd be like on the beach trying to, you know, collect my clothes from my, you know, van that got like the tires blew out on. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, I feel so much more settled now. That mm-hmm. I can choose now. And that's what you said. Just sit here for six months and then you will be in a better position emotionally and mentally to choose what you want. And mm-hmm. here I go and I go to a class last night and I meet like 10 new friends. And I just, it just like, I mean, I sound a little cuckoo when I talk about it, but like, 
I was so happy last night. I was so happy when I left because I thought this is what I've wanted to do with my life. I don't, I don't know where it's going to lead me or whatever, but right now, right here, I'm happy. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm going to stay here forever. Or I'm not going to choose to do these certain things. But if you hadn't given me that talk, I wouldn't be in this place. And I'm sure that I would be a little way more chaotic or discombobulated or my life would be a little just messed up. And I owe you that. And I watched you have to make the same choices. And it really made a profound difference for you. So I feel like if you are going through a healing process, if you are grieving for something, get those people in your life, keep those people, reach out to those people, ask those people for help who you know are stable, you know, who are going to help you through it because nobody can get through grief alone. And again, I come back to always the same community, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a huge community or whatever. It has to be the people who have your back in the way that, they want what's best for you. And I didn't agree with you at all, but you mm-hmm. wanted what was best for me, you know? Well, I and wanted I, you to I be, you. A, I wanted you to be in a space where you could decide what was best for you when you were ready to do that. And you were like, Rah! and you know, all over the place. And as you should be after, you know, some type of a, of a grieving situation. And it was like, are you in the best emotional place to love yourself right now? I'm not sure. And I was trying to get you to to sit for a bit so you could heal Mm -hmm. a little bit. And then the best form of self-love was to make those choices when you were ready to make those choices. But um, from the outside, it looked, you know, like maybe you would end up making a rash choice just simply as a way of, you know, healing and realize later that that, you know, like sell your townhouse and then be like, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. And I just, you know, for, it wasn't that, you know, like I wanted you to do something in particular. I just wanted you to be ready to love yourself when you were, were capable and in a place to do that. So, and I think that, and that's what you, you know, you've done for me, you've pre- created a, a grounding sense, especially through all of my grieving. I feel like I've grieved most of the time I've known you. I'm <laughs> kind of ready. To well, that is life, right? <laughs> right. That's life. And it, does it, I just was talking about you yesterday because I said, I've never seen someone go through something so well. And they're like, Oh, she'll, it'll come, it'll come down. She's going to, you know, be, It'll be devastating to her later. I said, no, she has grieved all along the way. She has processed all along the way, but she hasn't let it defeat her. And that's what I'm saying. Like you got the right supports all along the way. Yes, you cried a lot. Yes, you were very sad. Yes, you still are sad, but that doesn't mean you blew up your life. And I think that's when we talk about rock that relationship. It's about not letting these things blow up your life. You know, going back to what Coach Dorothy said in season two, or was it season one, um, about like your life should be this great thing and that people are like the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Make your life what you want it to be. And then if a cherry falls off here and there, for whatever reason, we cannot control why they might fall off. You're not devastated. And you saved me from that because my natural instinct is to run my natural instinct is to blow stuff up and it is to like get Mm -hmm. out, right? Like Mm -hmm, ah, mm -hmm. to get out and you save me from making some serious errors because I do love my townhouse. I I do appreciate so many things about this area, you know, being able to go hiking every day Mm -hmm. um, that I wouldn't have somewhere else. And I might feel alone and bereft, you know? Right. Right. So that, 
friendship is so important. And you maybe you didn't even know that I feel that way. Like, I owe you. I owe you a lot because I would have, I don't, I don't think I'd be in such a good place as I am now without your help. And, and that's, I think, you know, being able to, to say to friends, like I had somebody I was with one time who was like, well, your friends just back up everything you say. And I'm like, have you met my friends? They are, <sighs> they tell me the opposite all the time of what I want to hear. You know, my mm-hmm. best friend sells like tough love constantly. She was real right. sweet the other day. I was like, whoa, <laughs> she's right. like, did you like that? I didn't, I didn't get on your case. And I was like, wow. Um, but finding those people in your life who will support you because we all Mm -hmm. need support grief yes you're right since i've known you you've been grieving something that's called life Mm -hmm. well and that's why you know we we've shown up for each other you know you owe me nothing we just have a friendship that will just be there for each other when you know all the time but particularly when we need each other and and i think you're right that's the essence of this whole idea of rock that relationship and why we put this podcast together and you know we've had a really i think this has been one of our most kind of deepest i guess deepest and heartfelt conversations that we've we've had on this podcast about some of the real vulnerabilities of of you know self self love and where we've lacked mm-hmm. and where we've shown up and you know and our i know that our hope together is that um that our listeners really say find ways to love themselves and find other people to help bring out that self-love, right? Not just finding love in other people, but finding other people that will help contribute to your own ability to love yourself. And I think that's a really key point. And so thank you, Tracy, so much. This has been another amazing conversation and um, we're going to have some awesome information in the show notes for everybody. So until we meet again on yet another episode, Make sure to go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.